Uh, first, just let me say, excuse me, I have in the middle of a cold right now, that's why I have my Kleenex here with me. Uh, and I know Dwayne says this at the start of every sermon, but that song was really good and it goes along with what we're going to talk about. The first two words in the chorus are Christ alone. Um, and I'm just going to talk about what it would be like to have a faith that is just simply based on Christ alone because we're pretty good at complicating it and making it about a lot of other things but um, that's what we're going to talk about tonight but before we talk about that I'm going to give you guys a missions update because I haven't really given a, a real one in a long time it's, it's probably been a year or so since I've given a tell you guys everything that's been going on um, and then uh, when we talk about Later, we're going to we're talking, we're going to read the Beatitudes, and we're going to look at it through uh, the lens of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you were here a couple Sundays ago, you you heard Dwayne. Uh, he quoted him, and told about him. He was uh, a German scholar who studied in England and uh, Germany, and and then when the war started, World War II, he came to America, and um, he had the chance to stay here and be safe and continue his studies, but he, he decided to go back to Germany and uh, because he just couldn't stand to see what was happening to his his people, and he ended up dying for for what he what he did. So um, it's a good good source, and if if you like the sermon, I'll let you borrow the book because it, it totally changed my life, um, totally changed the way I read the Bible, and um, has had a real effect on me. But um, First, let's just pray together. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that you'll be with us tonight. I pray that you'll um, just make yourself known in this room. God, we know that you're here already. Um, we praise you for your love and your grace that we don't deserve. God, I just ask that you will um, show your grace to me tonight. Help me to to give a good report and to speak your word uh, coherently. And God, I just pray that your spirit will work through me and uh, that uh, you will bless everyone in this room. In your name I pray, amen. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you to everybody. Um, all you guys have, have been a huge, huge support to my family and I through this last five years. I'm not going to start at the very beginning when I give the mission update because we'd be here all night. But, um, you know, it's it's you guys who have, have prayed for us faithfully and, and given your money to us, which I know is, is hard to do, um, that has gotten us to this point where we are. So basically, I'm going to start at the end of June. Um, it was a normal day like any other. We got woke up at 6 o'clock by a frantic phone call from Spain from our field leader saying that, um, you know, they had made contact with this um, Baptist association over there and they were going to write a letter of invitation for us and we've been trying to get this for several months. So it was a big deal. And so, you know, she said, go and get all, you know, this document, this document, this document. I mean, it was a huge list. And so me and Kim probably spent the next three weeks running around like chickens with their heads cut off going to Bolivar, not going to Bolivar, uh, going to Brookfield, going to St. Louis, Springfield, going up to the courthouse numerous times, get a hundred things notarized. Uh, you know, it was, it's, it all just hit like a whirlwind. And then it just kind of stopped. 
kind of stopped dead like nothing was happening. And uh, so, you know, we just started praying, you know, like we, we knew God was, was doing something, but we just, you know, we've learned over the years to be patient. Um, and then I ended up talking to our, our guy here stateside who's kind of like our handler. He's taking care of all the visa stuff and uh, finances and, and all the, the business end of things for us. And he called us right before annual conference, which was in August, and said, okay, you know, we're going we're gonna to have a budget to look at. Um, you know, we don't know what it's going to be yet. You know, we're kind of iffy about a few things, and you know. So I was like, "Great!" And he's like, "I'll call you after conference." And so I was like, "Great!" So I get to sit around for a week and stress. That week turned into a couple of months because we didn't hear from him until Thursday. But we did get good news. The news we got is that um, our budget is in place. Um, is long as the people who are giving keep giving. Um, then we are good to go 100%. Um, one of the steps towards getting our visa is having insurance. And if you're here this morning, Brent mentioned that we're now finally employees, is what he said. Um, that's just like a technicality. They make us their employees so they can give us their insurance so they can tell Spain that we're insured. You know, it's, the, every step has five different steps to, to go around it, you know, to, to, to get to, to, to it finally. It's ridiculous, but um, so yeah, it's it's still kind of exciting though because now I can tell people I'm a missionary. You know, if they ask me what my job is, I don't have to say substitute teacher; I can say missionary. But uh, <laughs> it, it's it's been an exciting couple of months, especially this these last few days since we talked to Brian. That's the guy who um, handles our stuff. Um, we have all our documents notarized, apostilled, and translated. Um, you know, about a thousand dollars later, <laughs> after all that, um, when we're just waiting for the insurance and this one piece of paper to come from Spain, and then we get to go to Chicago and do our visa application, and then shortly thereafter, hopefully, be buying plane tickets and leaving. So, the seed that was planted five years ago is finally growing, and hopefully, there will be some fruit soon. And by that, I mean, hopefully, God will go with us to Catalan, and he will awake the people there, um, because they are asleep. I know I've said this a hundred times, but out of the five point whatever million Catalan people there, 99 point something percent of them are lost. Almost all of them. You know, you could go 20 miles and not meet a Christian where we're going now they're the kindest people you'd ever meet they've got the coolest traditions beautiful cathedrals and churches on every corner but they have no idea who god is who jesus is like there's literally people who live in the first world in these in this hyper modern city that that we're moving to who have never heard the name of jesus we met a guy the first time we went he worshiped zeus and and the, the greek gods I mean, this is where these people are at. They don't, they don't have any kind of spiritual um, guidance growing up. Their, their parents are two generations away from being in church, you know, that, so they know nothing of it. Um, we're bringing a totally new concept to these people. 
And the crazy thing is, is that they love Southern gospel music. So me and Dwayne have kind of been in talks about, you know, maybe bringing uh, a group over and uh, maybe doing something like that. But for some reason, they're nuts about Southern gospel music over there. So we figure that might be a good way to uh, to start. But uh, we're mainly going to be working with the college students, I think. Um, but just from the bottom of our hearts, I want you guys to know how much we, we love and appreciate all of you for your help. Um, we wouldn't have made it the last five years if uh, it wouldn't have been for you guys. Um, is there anything I'm leaving out, Kim? No? Um, let's see. We, got, we have our apartment in place. We actually get to live in the exact same place we lived in last time. So we already know the landlord, and we love we love our neighborhood. Um, Sunny gets to go to a cool school. That uh, over there, she she only goes from like what was it nine thirty to twelve thirty, and then she goes back from like three to four thirty, something like that. It's, it's siesta time all the rest during the rest of the day. So yeah, we definitely didn't pick a bad uh, God didn't pick a bad spot for us to go. I'll say I'll say that. You know, when we originally started got, we were getting this call to missions, we were full-on ready to get on a plane and fly to Papua New Guinea and live in the jungle. I even bought bugs at an international grocery market to prepare myself for living in the jungle because that's what we thought we were going to do. But um, So, yeah, that's where we're at now. We're, we're about two or three pieces of paper away from getting our visa. And once we get that will be gone. So, thank you guys. Thank God. Uh, it's It's been wild and crazy at times, but um, we're here now, so it's almost, it's almost time. Um, so anyway, like I said, I was going to talk about um, some of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's writings um, in relation to uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So if you'll turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Alright, I'm just going to read verses 1 through 12. <clears throat> Wait, before I do that, I'm just going to give a little background. Uh, Jesus had just got his ministry started and got his disciples um, he was he was in Galilee teaching and doing miracles, and he had drawn uh, an enormous crowd. And he now he was being followed out of the city by this giant, you know, throng of people. Um, and so, so there he is. He sees the crowd. Verse five, or verse one. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus, he just said a whole lot in a, in a small, small amount of time. And I, I think it's worth pointing out, um, I never really caught onto this until a professor said it in college. Um, he wasn't talking to the crowd when he, when he gave this message. He was talking to his disciples. He left the crowd, and the disciples followed him, and he gave them this message. Um, and we as Christians are disciples of Christ, are we not? So this is a message for us, and uh, I think it's easy to kind of gloss over this um, and not really give it a hard look. Um, uh, the way that Bonhoeffer analyzes it, analyzes it is kind of harsh in some ways. Um, he, he's what you would call a uh, literacist. I think I said that right. Um, but that basically means that he takes the words of the Bible literally to the point of that he actually lives his life out the way that he literally reads it in the Bible. And that's what got him killed. Uh, so uh, we'll go through this here. The first one is... Uh, oh, I lost my page first one is verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Almost there. Okay, he says about the disciples, uh, poverty is the lot of the disciples in every sphere of their lives. They are the poor. Um, and when he says that, he means that they are the standard for what poor is to be considered in, in society at their time. Like, whatever in your head is the standard for poor, you know, as low as you can get, that's what they were in their society. Because when Jesus called them, did he say, hey, you want to follow me? Think about it. Call me back in a week. Get your stuff together and, and meet me, you know, here and, and we'll go do something. No, he, he just said, follow me. And they dropped their lives. You know, that's, that's what I mean when I said, you know, Christ alone goes, goes with this message. Because if, if you go back to just how simple it is, uh, you know, it can cut you. It can kind of wake you up. And uh, it, can, it can change your life. Um, but anyway, it says, poverty is the lot of the disciples in every sphere of their lives. It means they are the standard of poor. They have no security, no possessions to call their own, not even a foot of earth to call their home, and no earthly society to claim their absolute allegiance. So they have no country. They have no 401k. They don't, they don't even have an apartment to live in. Which, <laughs> by the way, is something that we've always... You know, like the whole poverty thing is, is something that we've always taught Sonny, you know. Jesus didn't have a nice house. He, he didn't even have a nice tent. 
he just had his shoes, and, you know, and his robe. So, you know, we, we think we need a lot of things that we don't. Um, there's a lot of stuff we can live it out today in our culture that uh, it's just, if you read the Bible, it, it clearly states, you know, we cannot be in tune with the world. Um, I'll, I'll read a little bit more. It says, for his sake, they have lost all. In following him, they lost even their own selves and everything that could make them rich. Now, this is kind of the harsh part here. Now they are so poor, so inexperienced, and so stupid that they have no other hope but him who called them. See, when they answered the call and they left behind not only their possessions, they left behind what they knew about everything. Because what Jesus came and taught had not been taught before. Um, these guys had been raised on the Old Testament to expect a Messiah. And, you know, as Jesus revealed himself to them they, and they understood who he was, you know, they realized how little they knew. And they realized that what he was saying is, you know, now the new way of the world. So, you know, this is, if you try to look at it from the disciples' perspective, you just get a little bit of understanding, a little bit different understanding of, of maybe what Jesus meant by some of this stuff. Um, let's see, the next verse is, uh, Blessed are those who that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Um, I don't think they're just talking about people who recently lost a loved one. I don't think that's what Jesus meant when he said that. Um, here he says, by mourning, Jesus means that doing without what the world calls peace and prosperity. He means refusing to be in tune with the world or to accommodate oneself to its standards. Such men mourn for the world, for its guilt, its fate, and its fortune. That's what I was talking about, being separate from the world. Um, The world has changed a lot for the worse in the last few years. I mean, you know, when I was a kid and I heard people say that, I just thought they, you know, were angry old coots. But, I mean, I was born in 1981, and, like, the stuff I see now on TV would have, I would have fallen off the couch when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like, my, my parents wouldn't have let me watch the news if they put the stuff on the news that they did today now. I mean, it, society is just, I mean, it's just collapsing in on itself, it seems like. And it's, there's, it's not going to get any better. The Bible says it's not. So we shouldn't expect it to, but it's still shocking to me sometimes, the things I see on TV. And I, I don't really consider myself to be that easily shocked. <laughs> can ask him but um, I mean by mourning he's talking about doing without what the world calls peace and prosperity I think as Americans we have a very specific view of what peace and prosperity is it means I, I think I think it means that we're on top we're the best country our retirement accounts are looking good because Wall Street's doing great. You know, uh, I think that's what 
At least that's my vision of peace and prosperity. Everybody probably has their own. But um, we have to let go of whatever it is. Uh, it says here, and I, I think this is great, the world dreams of progress, power, and of the future. But the disciples meditate on the end, the last judgment, and the coming of the kingdom. Where's your heart at? Um, is, is your heart on Jesus and his return? Or is it on how much money you have in your bank account? Or how many K's your TV has after it, you know, four or eight or 16 or whatever you need? And I admit it, I want a 4K TV. You know, I, I, I'm just as guilty. I want my TV to look awesome too. But I have to discipline myself and say, Chris, no, if you have enough money for that TV, there's probably somebody out there who could use a dinner or anything else or a friend of mine who is going through something who could use some help because I have friends who go through things that, you know, they need help sometimes. And, you know, God has been has been good and helped me to provide but last year I I lost a friend to a drug overdose Uh, a friend that sorry friend that I've been really close to for several years since me and Kim first got married Um, we became really good friends and he was addicted to pain pills and everything else and he was a full blown atheist uh, every time I saw him, I, I lectured him and I told him, I, you know, God was there and he loved him. And, you know, I said, listen, man, just take it easy. You're going to you're going to die. And he did. And that was that was tough. But, um, you know, God works through us. And even if it fails, um, it's it's still God working through us. And that's still something to be thankful for. Um So, um, another step in discipleship is is just letting go of this world. Because whatever you're holding on to is not going to come with you when you go. Jesus, God, is not going to say, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant. You got, uh, you had a really nice house and, uh, you know... A sweet pool in your backyard. Come on in. Let's you know. That's that's not what that's not what it says. Um, and you know, this this book might be harsh, but there, there's one Bible verse that I I always go to that that scares me straight because Jesus says it, and it's uh, it's it's pretty uh, direct. What he means, let's see here. It's Luke fourteen twenty five. If you want to look, but I'll just read it to you. If I can get there, okay. Here we go. It's talking about discipleship. Um, actually, it starts at verse twenty six. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me 
cannot be my disciple. So, even Jesus said, there are disqualifiers for you being my disciple. There are things we have to do. Um, You know, salvation is a one-step process that lasts your entire life. You know, um, once you get baptized, it's not over. It's, you know, you're refined by the fire, and it's often a painful, jarring process. I know this whole thing was for for me, uh, you know, in the last five years, it's been an emotional roller coaster, spiritual roller coaster. There have been times when I was just ready to forget about it. Um, And then there's been times when we've been so happy we couldn't stand it, you know. It's uh, it's just been hard. Um, But there's also a verse, I, I don't have it referenced that where Jesus says that if you put your hand to the till and look back you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven so that verse that verse scares me and I'm glad it does because it scares me straight it keeps me from from looking back you know this whole thing shouldn't have should have not taken five years and you know I don't know what we could have done better or if it was just God's timing but I've done my best to not look back because, I mean, in plain, plain words, Jesus said, you can't. Once you're in, you're in. If you want to be a disciple, you can't be anything else. That's first place. Um, and that's kind of the, the main core of my message tonight is that um, following Jesus is uh, an all-in or all-out type situation. Um, you know, you can't can't serve two masters. Uh, no matter what that other master may be, you can't serve God and that master. Uh, so, if you have another master in your life something's creeping into your life and you can feel it give it to God immediately no matter what it costs you because I can guarantee you that if you just start letting sin into your life and you let it take over your life the cost is going to be so much greater in the long run I mean God will forgive you for anything and everything but that doesn't mean there aren't consequences I've learned that firsthand. I wish the first time Jesus said, follow me, I would have dropped my nets and went. But, you know, it took me a few years of being stupid before I uh, finally woke up. And now I'm almost 40, which is unbelievable to me. Excuse me, I have to blow my nose. I can't hardly breathe. So let's see. Let's go to the next one. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's a verse that we hear a lot. At least I remember hearing it a lot growing up. Um, just because it's one of those verses that's kind of an oxymoron to us. You know, why, why would the weak and, and quiet inherit the earth? 
Um, here's what Bonhoeffer says about the meek. He says they renounce every right of their own and live for the sake of Jesus Christ. When reproached, they hold their peace. When treated with violence, they endure it patiently. When men drive them from their presence, they yield their ground. They will not go to law to defend their rights or make a scene when they suffer injustice, nor do they insist on their legal rights. They are determined, determined to leave their rights to God alone. Raise your hand if that describes you perfectly. No, me neither. I get, I get really mad when somebody drives five below the speed limit. And I think, how could you do this to me? I have to be somewhere. Why are you going so slow? You know, and, and I could let that just absolutely ruin my day. How silly is that? Uh, but Jesus says they shall inherit the earth. Uh, to these powerless and disenfranchised, the very earth belongs. Those who now possess it by violence and injustice shall lose it. And those who here have utterly renounced it, who were meek to the point of the cross, shall rule the new earth. So when the meek are inheriting the earth, they're not inheriting this place. They're inheriting God's new creation when he comes back. Um, the next is blessed are the merciful. They shall obtain mercy. Um, the merciful live as if their own needs and their own distress were not enough. They take upon themselves the distress and humiliation and sin of others. I have a daughter who's going to like that. And sometimes it hurts her. Um, they have an irresistible love for the downtrodden, the sick, the wretched, and the wronged, the outcast, and all who are tortured with anxiety. They go out and seek all who are enmeshed in the tolls, toils of sin and guilt. Sorry. This makes me a little emotional because that describes Sunny to me, my daughter. Where every day in Spain, she asked me for some euro change so she could give it to the little homeless gypsy lady who's now begging for breakfast money every day. When I ask her what she wants to be when she grows up, she wants to move back to Spain and work at the grocery store so she can help people there who speak English get their groceries. Because it was hard for us the first few times we went, wasn't it? We didn't know how to have them cut the ham for us or anything. So, you know, I blame myself. I taught her too well. <laughs> and Ken. it says about them and uh, we're not going to get through all the Beatitudes tonight I think you guys get the general idea of what I'm trying to say um, this last little bit here about the merciful 
they will be found consorting with publicans and sinners. I didn't say republicans. Publicans and sinners, careless of the shame they incur thereby. In order that they may be merciful, they cast away the most priceless treasure of human life, their personal dignity and honor. Uh, We have to be willing to cast aside all our dignity, all our honor, everything we think about ourselves that we've built ourselves up to be uh, is nonsense. Sorry. I spent my whole life trying to figure out who I was and how, how important I was or if I even was. And then I realized I have Jesus. None of that stuff matters. And uh, don't ever let that stuff matter to you. Because you have Jesus to get you through everything. Um, You know, if you get bored tonight, read the rest of these Beatitudes and just try to think of them from a new perspective, uh, from from maybe the way the disciples were hearing it. Because it was just those guys and Jesus talking. And he basically laid out what a disciple is to be and what a disciple is to do with their lives. And if we're disciples too, it includes us.